Welcome back to another episode of the Press Forward Podcast. On today's episode, we have Dr. Nancy Gabber, um, a sports and performance consultant, also a mental skills trainer and licensed mental health counselor. Um, you know, she's worked with high profile athletes on performance and different areas of performance. Um, and today's topic is actually uh, performance anxiety. So, um, she just goes into depth in, in terms of what goes into performance anxiety and, you know, just shares her experience, just 20 years plus of experience. So for today's episode. Um, welcome back to another episode of the Press Forward podcast. Um, on today's episode, we have Nancy Gabbard, who is a sports psychologist and um, has worked with many athletes in different industries. Um, I'll, I'll give you a chance to uh, introduce yourself, where you're from, your credentials, your area of um, experience. Well, thank you. First of all, thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. I always love to educate people and all the fun stuff I do. So I, I do thank you for that. Yeah. Um, my background is I have a PhD in sport exercise and performance psychology. And I love the field. Um, my emphasis in my dissertation is in flow. So I love getting people and athletes into the flow state. So that, that's kind of my, my passion. However, I do also work with uh, the clinical side. I have a master's degree in mental health counseling here in Florida, and I'm licensed here in the state of Florida, even though I still help people around the world with uh, mental health education. But um I specialize, actually, guess what, in performance anxiety. That's a good segue into today's um, topic. So performance anxiety is today's topic. Right. Um, right. We're going to talk about why that's important, um, you know, how that affects people um, in different industries, not only as athletes, but um, so I'll just let you start off. What, what is uh, performance anxiety? Performance anxiety obviously is the stress and anxiety with an event or something coming up like a situation like a ball game like speaking in public uh you know it's called stage fright we've often used the word we use the word choking a lot or yips things like that where you just freeze up and you can't perform sometimes it happens at the beginning or perform or before, but it's, ex it's excessive anxiety. It's not like normal anxiety, but it's where you, you can't function. And some people just can't go out and perform at all, or they stop mid mid performance and just freeze up. So it becomes when it's excessive and it's based upon the beliefs or perception a person has about an event of they can perform up to, you know, their own expectations, somebody else's expectations. They're in front of an audience, you know, people are watching them and they have to do well. So that's when that usually happens. So would you say that a majority of the pressure that these individuals are, are feeling or the anxieties that these people are feeling, is that self-inflicted or how, how do you see that playing out? Uh, that's a great question. A lot of it is. However, you have to look at the entire situation because you have to look at the person's background. For instance, I look at the clinical background as well, since I can do both. And I want to see if there's been a history of anxiety disorders within the family or if they have 
been undiagnosed or not been treated properly. I see a lot of ADHD athletes who, guess what, have not been diagnosed properly. They have, actually have ADHD and they've only been treated for anxiety. That's an entirely different treatment. So I've been able to help a lot of athletes deal with both at the same time. And so, so, and a lot of it's too environmental, you know, it's how parents raise them. You know, if the parents were strict or stern or highly critical, if coaches were highly critical or maybe very positive. So that has a lot of influence too on a person and how they perform and gotcha. feel as well. Gotcha. So you mentioned there being um, an environmental um, factor that plays into it. Um, basically like a socio-cultural in a way, how they're right. how they're raised yep. by the parents. Um so exactly. Um there are different signs and symptoms of performance anxiety. What are some of the things that you look for when looking for that performance anxiety? Well, first of all, I like to ask them how they're feeling before their performance is coming up. Usually if you're dreading something coming up long before the event happens and the dread gets worse and you keep thinking about it and thinking about it and dreading it and dreading it and dreading it, you know, it kind of spins in your head. And then some people just don't go. They right. just abandon it. You know, I've seen that happen. And that's sad because they're really great performers. And that happens to a lot of people, by the way. So you're not alone if you're out there thinking this might be me. So a lot of things are obviously signs and symptoms are heart palpitations, shortness of breath. You know, you feel dizzy. You're too hyped up, too keyed up sweating. Some people feel like they're having a heart attack, the tightness in your chest. Some people actually throw up before a game. I've had that happen a few times. So, and that's not unusual. So if that's you out there, you're not alone. Um, difficulty concentrating, all of those things play into it. By the way, all of those same things that the list they gave you are symptoms of a panic attack. In clinical terms. So that's why that's important to look at both both sides of the coin. And some of the symptoms that you like you said are synonymous with a panic attack. Um, so how do you then differentiate the difference between the two? Uh, that's a great question. And that's why it takes a, a clinical person like myself to do a thorough evaluation to make sure that they meet the criteria for panic disorder or, and there's a lot of other anxiety disorders, by the way, there's generalized anxiety disorder. There's obsessive compulsive disorder. There's panic disorder. You know, there, there's quite a few of them and they can co-occur at the same time. So that's why you have to look at the criteria. You know, we look at the whole person and see what their whole life pattern is of behavior and thinking, et cetera, and symptoms and then we have to pull that apart and analyze that to make sure we're getting the diagnosis correct. Some people have a diagnosis. Some people are on the fringe of it. So, you know, I just want to make sure I take care of well of the people that I work with well, because I want to make sure that they are helped in the proper way. I see a lot of that that doesn't always happen. So, you know, but there are clinicians out there that people can see and get that checked out. And one of the things that you mentioned earlier was, um, performance anxiety can almost be seen as uh, stage fright. So is it just athletes that are subject to experience performance anxiety or does this affect, you know, everyone else? 
Another great question. You have great questions, by the way. Uh, no, anybody can have this. You know, I see this with, okay, a lot of you are college students out there, former college students. Guess what? Test anxiety. Mm -hmm. You know, you when you know the answers and then the test is sitting in front of you and you just blank out and you forget the answers. You know, that, that happens frequently. People that speak, people that have to give presentations at work or at their job. You know, this can happen to anybody and you don't have to always have a history of it and you don't have to be a certain age. It can happen at any point. And that's not unusual. Wow. Um, yeah, so that, that was kind of part of the reasoning and why I asked the question, because I imagine it's not just athletes that feel, you know, some right. sort of anxiety when it's time to perform or to time to show up for a, a particular event or like you said, a presentation. Um, so how much of, you know, performance anxiety would you attribute to self-esteem or the lack thereof self-esteem? Well, that's a really loaded question. And I like that because you're right, it does play a role or it can play a role. Self-esteem is quite global. It has a lot to do with the person's identity, who mm -hmm. they think and feel they are, and their belief systems. Also has to do with self-confidence. But you know, if, if a person grew up not feeling very confident, having very low self-esteem as a child or young adult, that can certainly affect their performance anxiety and, or anxiety in general in a negative way, you know, and certainly uh, that can be helped with therapy, you know, with a good clinician and therapy, um, self-esteem can be fixed and self-confidence can definitely be boosted. That does help a lot and play a large role in that. But we want to make sure we uh, address a person's beliefs about themselves. And that's where cognitive behavioral therapy comes into play. That, that was going to go into my next question. So in terms, <laughs> of, in terms of reframing that, you know, cognitive beliefs about oneself, how do you right. go about reframing that? How do you do that? Uh, well, I use several types of techniques for cognitive, be cognitive behavioral therapy, obviously, is changing a person's thoughts and images about themselves and self-statements. I personally use a lot of imagery and visualization. I'm a certified hypnotherapist, sport hypnotherapist, so I use a lot of hypnotherapy uh, to help alter and change those beliefs because, you know, I work with really cool people. And all of you out there are really awesome people. I just know it. So, but we want to reframe that picture of ourselves and who we are and what we can accomplish. And those things can be changed actually sometimes quite easily, depending upon what your goal is. So cognitive behavioral therapy, by the way, includes hypnotherapy imagery. Those are just some techniques that are involved. That's you. And in addition to that, um, there's a common phenomenon with uh, athletes that experience, you know, performance anxiety, um, feeling that they can, you know, easily dominate at practice. But, you know, come game time, there's a discrepancy between how they practice and how they show up. What are some practical things that athletes and even non-athletes who have to show up in a different sense? Um, what are some practical things that they can do to be better prepared for that situation? You asked some really good questions. Yes, I do see this because we can be well prepared for something and feel really good about it and practice. And, you know, that old saying, we practice like we want to play. Right. And, of course, that does help a lot. 
but sometimes you know when when reality hits and you know all of a sudden you got to perform and you're in front of people it's like that all went out the window right. so yeah it's like okay so like like the saying says you know the best off the best defense is a good offense right. so I like to train my athletes, and I know there's a lot of other sports psychology people out there who use mental skills training. And basic mental skills training, by the way, there are a ton of athletes out there who have never had this. Very sad. <laughs> because you want to get the good basic mental skills training, addressing the basics, and learning how to use your mental game on the mound, on the golf course, in the workplace, you know, and so that prevents a lot of these other anxieties from creeping up because you already have the tools. I call it my mental skills toolbox. And so that's good preparation. In addition, like I said, I like to use imagery uh, in different ways. Uh, I like to make recordings. I record MP3s for my clients. And I put myself in their head, literally. But, um, but imagery, visualization are part of good mental skills to enhance it. Deep breathing. Oh, yes. I teach everybody deep breathing. Yes. You know, there's a ton of, there's a ton of apps out there. Please use them. You know, that good deep belly breathing does help. And practicing that on a daily basis, several times a day to get become automatic, you know, relaxation techniques and, and, and such like that. So, you know, because you want to get that same emotional arousal. You know, we can regulate our emotions and if we need to pump ourselves up or we need to relax ourselves. And music is one tool. I love music. I like to dance. I like to sing. I love music. So I work on with my clients a music playlist. Playlist for different purposes, like pregame playlists, calming down playlists, pumping up playlists. So they have this song in their head. So when they're wherever they need to be, you know, can't always have headphones in, you know, during a yeah. game or whatever. Yeah. But the song is in their head. And I just say, push the button in your head, play the song, and boom, you're good. And it works. I love that. And I, sorry. I man. do analyze I do analyze their song. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the things that I love that you mentioned was the imagery and the deep breathing, because I think at times we can almost forget that sometimes we just need to breathe, relax yeah. our shoulders, you know? And um, yep. one of the resources that are good for that is the Calm app. Um, I'm not sponsored. Yep. I'm not sponsored by them. I'm just throwing it out <laughs> there. But um, that's that's one of the apps that can be uh, utilized as well. Yes. Um, and is there a underlying fear of, I guess, behind performance anxiety? Like, what, what do you find that most athletes fear behind um, their anxiety? Uh, that's a good question. Obviously, fear of not performing up to the level, you know, because it depends on what an athlete's goal is or a person, you know, they might lose their job or get a job promotion based on their performance at, at a meeting or so, such. Uh, you know, obviously, athletes playing in a big game, you know, all eyes are on you, you know, so but it's usually exaggerated in your head. You know, most of the time I tell people, people really aren't always looking at you. Yeah. Most of the time people are thinking about themselves. <laughs> Unless you know you're getting evaluated by scouts or other things for recruitment and things like that, that 
that takes it to another level. But certainly, uh, yeah, well, most people don't care, you know, just, just do your thing and have fun. Fun is the major thing that I think we forget about. Flow and fun go together. That's the ninth subscale of flow, by the way, is having fun. So I always focus on that. Most definitely. And um, so in terms of just having eyes on you, um, what role would you say that social media plays into that as well, especially for, I guess, athletes that are more on like a high scale or just being, like you said, evaluated by scouts or just playing on television? Um, what role do you see that social media playing into uh, performance anxiety? Uh, that's a really good question. I, I see that a lot. It can be either or both good or bad. You know, the good part is I like to look at that first is it's positive. You know, it's, it's a way to promote yourself, especially if you're a college kid or a high school kid wanting to, you know, go to the next level. Right. You know, you can use it as a tool. Uh, certainly you can look at others' performance. You know, we got the World Cup going on now. I try to watch as much as I can, but I have my athletes looking at the really great players, you know, so they can get that imagery in their head about, you know, how, how well they're doing stuff, watching their techniques and things like that. That's external imagery. So those can be really valuable and helpful. The damaging part is when they start comparing yourself to someone else. Well, I'm not that good, or I don't play like that, or, uh, you know, and those kind of things get in your head. That's the negative side. So I really watch out for that. So I think it's a balance. Gotcha. Gotcha. And I love the work that you mentioned there that you said you do with your athletes in terms of them having, having them watch great players. I think that's all, that also helps your game as well, I think. Um, and what role what, what does coaches play into that? What what can coaches do better to better prepare their players to thrive under pressure situations? I love to work with coaches. They need help too, by the way. Uh, we tend we sort of tend to forget about them, you know, working with athletes. Oh no, coaches need a lot of help. They make a lot of decisions, they have a lot of influence, you know, and there's a really a lot of good coaches out there. So I'm really thankful for that. Uh, and most coaches really do try, you know, it, it's a tough job, but, you know, looking at the positive things that one of their, their athletes are doing well, you know, I think that's important to give some positive praise, you know, obviously in a constructive criticism, but if it's presented in a positive way, like what you're doing right, but this is what you could do better, or this is how you could do something better, rather than just yelling at them and tell them to play better, you know, that doesn't tell you how to do anything. So, you know, the negativity needs to go and, and the positive stuff, you know, eh, coaches need to yell once in a while. We get that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, as long as, you know, the athlete feels or our person, you know, even by boss feels valued. And that's what's important. Gotcha. And one of the things that you just mentioned there was constructive criticism. Um, would you agree that once a player understands that a coach is coming from a perspective that they want you to be better, a loving perspective, and they know that you care about them, then the athlete is able to really perform the, at their best. Would you agree with that? Yeah, because they want to try to be better. You know, they're, they're not discouraged. They're actually encouraged and motivated. You know, any of us are motivated to do better if somebody's given us a word of encouragement. Right. That works with all of us. That's true. And uh, so what is, uh, as we sort of come to closing, 
Um, what is one piece of advice that you would like to leave with the audience? It could be related to the topic, whatever whatever it is you want to leave the audience. Uh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, what I want to say, if you are out there and you're listening to this or watching this, if you are experiencing performance anxiety, any kind of anxiety, or any kind of mental health issue, please get some help. There is help for you. You do not have to suffer. You do not need to deal with this the rest of your life. You can't get over it. So I want to encourage you, you know, don't be embarrassed. There's a, there's a lot of well-known people out there who have the same thing. We're all human beings and you can get some help. So seek that out. And I, you know, I'd appreciate that. And I feel for you because uh, I think it's important. I've seen a lot of people do really well and get over their anxiety and deal with their issues and have a great life. I want you to live your best life. So please seek out some professional help. By the way, if you have any questions, I probably didn't answer everything tonight. So uh, feel free to contact me or look me up and, and I'll be happy to answer any of your questions. Gotcha. And where can the people find you at? Uh, my website is sports psychology with drnancy.com. My phone number is actually on the website, so you can call or text me at that number. I'm also on LinkedIn and Facebook. So reach out. Give Love me a it. shout. Love that, Dr. Gabber. And I appreciate you joining me on today's show. Um, it's been a pleasure. And uh, I hope the people have learned as much as I have. And um, I appreciate you again for, for joining me today. Well, thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. Right. And that concludes today's episode. I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in. Um, be sure to uh, like, share, um, subscribe to the channel. Um, and, you know, share this, share this episode with somebody. Share this with one person, you know. Um, you never know who might be struggling with anxiety. Um, or even just, you know, might come across other episodes that, that might, you know, help them. Or um, they might gain some sort of insight from. So, um and uh, if you're more of a visual person, this episode is also available on YouTube as well. So go on there, check it out. And, um, you know, I just want to thank, you know, the listeners for the continual support. And, um, yeah, have a blessed day.